Sorry, I got excited and I got in there a little bit early. Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Looking Up program. Today we are on the program with Shell, myself, Sharissa, and Justin. That's right. <laughs> Doing my best to fill Danny's shoes. Yeah, they're big shoes to fill, aren't they? Uh, Danny couldn't join us today. He is helping people. Um, prepare for what we call a big camp. So we will talk maybe a little bit more about that later and explain what that's about. But I'm happy because Justin's my husband. So how are you? <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get away from me this afternoon. No, I couldn't. <laughs> but I'm um, glad that you're here today. And maybe just for our listeners, uh, we have been trekking through Revelation chapter 14. And we've last week we talked about the Sabbath and how to keep the Sabbath. Really enjoyed the study. It went very quickly. Today, we're going to do a similar theme, but slightly different. What are we talking about today? Well, it's connected to the commandments of God there in Revelation, as we're going to find, but you could call it the Bible's one word secret to happiness. Oh, okay. So if you want to know what that secret is, you need to stay tuned um, to this program because that will come in our Bible study just a little bit later. And as I'm here and have your attention, want to remind you that this is a live broadcast, which means you can connect with us. We would love to hear from you. We've got this brand new messaging system all set up here in studio, which is exciting. And we have a number, a very own personal number associated with this program. And the number, if you are wanting to connect with us, is 0491-064-669. So that's the program number, I think. Did I say it right? I think so. Or is it the second number on this list? The second one. That is not the number. Don't <laughs> don't message that number. Let's try that again. Zero four eight 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 one seven six two four. That's the number. <laughs> I might say it again just because zero four eight 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 one seven six two four. Please contact us if you would like to say hi. Text us. You can only text us. You can't call us. But we'd love to hear from you. Any comments, any feedback or yes. questions you have. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, Justin, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was amazing, actually. Yeah? What yeah, happened? Absolutely amazing. Not that I don't already know, but tell me <laughs> tell me why you enjoyed the weekend. Well, at church in Hamilton uh, here in Newcastle, we had our very first international Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So I think a few months ago, we looked around and we realized we had between like 14 and 20 different languages represented and like, you know, 12 different countries represented. And so we decided to have an international Sabbath. We had songs in different languages, scripture readings in different languages. It was absolutely amazing. And then a wonderful lunch with different countries' foods. Yeah, amen. We want to hear more about this. We might continue talking about this just after this beautiful song from Sandra Enterman, Faithful Men.
was Sandra Entman singing Faithful Men. Yes, the Lord is calling faithful men and women uh, to his service. <laughs> well, you are listening to Looking Up. We are live right now. Again, if you'd like to connect with us at any point through this program, the number to text us on is 0488-817-624. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, Justin, just before we went to the song, uh, we were talking about the weekend and you were talking about how you were excited because we had an international service, yeah. an international Sabbath international worship, worship program. Service, including an international lunch with food from all countries around the world. And it was absolutely wonderful. We had Tagalog, we had Karin, the languages, we had Visayan from the Philippines as well as Tagalog. Uh, we had special items and music in these languages. And uh, we had a Fijian group that sang beautifully That's for us. Beautiful. And then we had uh, a large group from Zimbabwe uh, singing in Shona and uh, Debele, the two languages of Zimbabwe. And we didn't know that this was going to happen. We thought they'd all come forward and start singing. But no, one stood up in the back and started <laughs> leading the way and then others started standing up. It was like a flash mob It was in church. It was awesome. It was amazing. And uh, I have to say, I've been playing that video. Justin will know this. I've been playing the video <laughs> that I took of it all week long. And I think if they do it again, I'll be able to stand up and sing with them. <laughs> <laughs> you know the words now. <laughs> I've got the words down pat. But, oh, it was such a heavenly experience. And I guess, you know, it's it's exciting to to see because we're, we're reminded that, you know, we're part of a global family of faith. When we give our lives to Jesus, we're part of a worldwide community of people mm. who love the Lord too. And, and that's really, really exciting. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, not every part of Australia is as, um, you know, multi-ethnic and multicultural as Newcastle. And so that won't be the case everywhere in every country. But definitely, it's a little foretaste of heaven. And it's also a reminder, like you mentioned, that we're a part of a worldwide, massive church family, body of believers from all across the world with different countries and languages and music. And it's something that is uh, truly wonderful to remember and uh, to commemorate together. Yes, amen. And the other thing we had on our weekend was also a wedding. We got to That's yeah, right. be seeing, seeing a wedding. The privilege of marrying a young couple, Belinda and Callum uh, Parkinson, now yeah. the Parkinsons. And so weddings are always such a happy and special occasion. A big congratulations to you guys if you're listening to this. <laughs> That's right. Well, we usually talk in this segment about current events and what's happening in the world and how we can see this with an eye to Bible prophecy and understanding them in light of the soon return of Jesus. And uh, I don't know if you have anything to share there, but I was just reading in the news today an amazing fact, and it's uh, that Elon Musk is now worth more than twice Warren Buffett and a hundred million has a hundred million billion hundred billion on Jeff Bezos. Wow. Mm, wow. He has now become the world's richest ever person that's ever mm. lived. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, um that means and he's only fifty. He is fifty years old and he has over he has more a hundred billion dollars more than Jeff Bezos. It is amazing. And this is of course because he just uh, made some significant investments in Twitter and now he's got everybody's attention because of what is he gonna talk about and uh with free speech and all of those things. But you're thinking, why is she talking about this in light of <laughs> the looking up program? Well, I was thinking about it because you know the Bible says that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, 
he was talking about treasure. And he said, he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And uh, yeah, you know, you can have all the money in this world, but this world, the treasures that we have in this world, it comes, it, you know, it gets corrupted, it gets destroyed, floods can destroy them, fires can burn them. But the treasure that we invest in God's bank mm. is, it's eternal. And I guess um, I would ask then the question, Justin, how do we invest in God's bank? Because that's probably what people are thinking. If the treasure in heaven is the one that doesn't <laughs> get, yeah. get affected by floods or fires or thieves, how do we put our treasures there? Yeah, great question. And the Apostle Paul made it really clear, the treasure that is going to be in heaven is not the streets of gold. It's not the pearls and the gems and all these things. Those are just the pavement and the foundations of the city. Mm. But he actually says, I believe it's in Philippians, um, he says to the, the church members who he had led to Jesus, he said, you are our crown of rejoicing. Mm. You are our jewels, our gems. And so the, the treasure in heaven is the people. And so investing our our means, our money, our talents, our abilities, our skills in leading people to accept Jesus' sacrifice and be in heaven one day soon when he returns, that is how we invest in heavenly treasure. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, speaking of, you know, treasures being destroyed and, and what can happen to our things in this life and on this earth, it's been very sad to hear again of what's mm. happening with yes. all the rains and got another email Just today. today yeah. Well, there's a big rain event coming tonight, I believe. We're going to hit the, uh, you know, from the Hunter region right down the, the coast here and they're expecting a, a rain bomb. Mm. In Sydney, I don't wow. remember them ever talking about. Never heard of a rain bomb? Yeah, well, since it's only, I guess it's since the the floods happened. Wow. But you know, this world, nothing is for sure. Mm. But God's word is is for sure, and yeah. God has promised us that in His kingdom, things will never be destroyed. It's Amen. it's an eternal, golden. So all these kingdom. natural disasters and things around the world point us forward to the time where all of these things will be a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, it, it, you mentioning the. The floods, Sharissa, and we need to be praying, especially tonight, um, for yeah the floods to be kept back, you know, mm. for the sake of people who are in harm's way. It brought to mind that um, just last week, there was in Dubai an event called the World Government Summit. And uh, the World Government Summit 2022, it was March 29 to 30, and government leaders from around the globe... Um, had 15 global forums to try to tackle future challenges. Hmm. You know, climate change affected challenges being kind of the primary motivator for this meeting. Things like the pandemic, which many try connecting, you know, to global warming, etc. And it's just fascinating because, you know, certain media outlets have been talking about, you know, the this this coming new world order, right? This so-called yep. new world order. And of course, other media outlets are saying, oh, this is all conspiracy theory. It's, you know, these wackos out there. And when I hear the term new world order, I tend to think, oh, okay, someone who's, you know, I, it may be questionable, is it really coming, et cetera, right? That's mm-hmm. what ten- comes to most of society's minds. But it is now mainstream news on the the left and the right of really? the the spectrum, Yeah. Uh, you know, President Biden mentioned a new world order a few weeks ago, and now people are talking about it like, oh, yeah, it's nothing. And why are we bringing this up? 
Well, in Revelation chapter 17, the Bible tells us that at the end of time, there would be this conglomeration between this powerful apostate church system claiming to represent God, but misrepresenting God in reality, and the governments of the world. And it would come to a point where the governments would not be battling against each other, but they would be united. Listen to this, Revelation 17 verse 12, it says, The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour uh, as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. Mm. And so, it's just significant that we see, you know, um, that governments around the world are now saying, okay, let's all, let's all just unite. And really, what was fascinating was I saw a clip of one of the speeches in this, uh, in this thing, in this event, and this lady was saying that finances, we are switching over, I can say very boldly, she says, China has done it, and we are going to be switching over as a world soon to a new accounting system, as it were. Really? And it's all going to be digital, not cryptocurrency, That's, uh-huh. but rather a centralized, government-regulated type of digital currency. She said China has paved the way, and now we're all looking at doing this and joining together. And so it's one of the, these... Interesting things in the news where we see that it's pointing toward and heading toward this Bible prophecy where we look around us in the world sometimes and we say there's no way that all these nations would all get along and be united. But we see the catastrophes that our world is facing bringing people together and uniting together um, as they are, you know, in this event. Many with good intentions, of course, yes. and all of the best uh, desires, but ultimately, um it's not going to end in the most positive way when things get legislated that are not in line with God's will and His Word. And praise God that even when that happens, it's not the end. That's right. <laughs> the end will be much better than yeah, that. absolutely. Well, that's that's really, really interesting, Justin. And, and I was just thinking to, I think, I can't remember if we made a mention of this last week or if it happened after last week, but the slap. I just need to make a mention of this because, you know, the Bible talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Listen to this. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people, the writer says, turn away. So God's, uh, not God's people, but people at the end of time will exhibit evil traits in their characters uh, before Jesus comes again. And I can't help but think to myself, the way out, the the moral um, fabric of our society today is just very fragile, crumbling all around us and how, okay, it was just a slap, but the thing that's come out from this, it's in the news today, is you know, uh, Will Smith's wife's uh, extra her affair that she had yeah, they have an open marriage that's they decided right. some years ago and she's had an affair and was openly with her son's friend yes their son's friend so they were redefining marriage that's right if you will that's what they were claiming to be doing mm-hmm. but i just can't help but think that the idea that we could even do this god is the one who owns the copyright on these things that's it was right. god's idea it's not really marriage if no. you're 
doing that. Yeah. But I just think it, it's just seeing what we see on the television, seeing what we see in our culture, in our world right now. It's just a picture of a world on the edge of eternity. And it's just as the Bible described it would be mm. before Jesus comes again. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it, it is... Um, it is fascinating. I, we actually saw a YouTube video the other week. This guy put together just like a, you know, some guy. He's satirical type of humor, and he made a he made an interesting point. He said we can't say for certain, but he said it would make a lot of sense for the Oscars or you know some there to plan this. <laughs> They're actors, right? Mm-hmm. And Oscars, like they kind of fell off the map. Who was really watching anymore? But now it's in the meme world and social media and the news, and it's Some like all him. of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of a sudden, everyone's talking about it. So, I mean, we don't know, but it sure has uh, boosted the ratings, no doubt, of the Oscars and the watching and whatnot. But my, what really stood out to me was how people reacted to it. Mm. Some were, you know, su- you know, seriously defending Will Smith and saying, oh, you know, that's what it means to be a real man. Um, and others, of course, were saying, look, this isn't appropriate. This isn't right. And um, anyway, I thought Chris Rock handled it quite well. He didn't press charges against him and he bounced back with a joke. <laughs> but again, like Sharissa, like you were pointing out, to defend your wife's haircut in public and to smack some guy in defense of your wife and yet to be fine with her sleeping with other men is so backwards, so illogical. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so it just points, you know, it brings us to the reality that we can't be modeling our lives after um, people in the world, like Hollywood mm-hmm. and um, people in the world. Uh, but, of course, we need to be modeling our lives after Jesus. Mm. Amen. And, uh, yeah, the the kingdom that God has promised is one that's a very happy one, <laughs> a very holy one. And just a one that is open to all of us, like mm-hmm. God wants us to be there. And I think here, you know, in light of all of these things, that, that wonderful text that we actually took the name of this program from, Luke 21, verse 28, Now when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, for your because your redemption draws near. These are all signs that, you know, we're living at the end of time, and Jesus' coming is not far away. So we need to be making sure that we have a daily relationship with Him. Enjoy this song, Love is a Good Thing. It knocked me down, it dragged me out, and left me there for dead. It took all the freedom I wanted, gave me something else instead. Blew my mind, it bled me dry, it hit me like a long goodbye. Nobody here knows better than I that it's a good thing. Love is a good thing. It'll fall like rain on your parade Laugh at the plans that you try to make Wear you down till your heart just breaks And it's a good thing Love is a good thing It'll wake you up in the middle of the night It'll take just a little too much Burn you like a cinder till you're tender to the touch It'll chase you down and swallow you whole It'll make your blood run hot and cold like a thief in the night It'll steal your soul and that's a good thing Love is a good thing we'll Follow you down to the ruins of the great divide Open the wounds that you try to hide There in the rubble of the heart that died you'll find a good thing Love is a good thing 
Make sure you tune in to The Breakfast Show to Encounter God, play the quiz, hear great music and noteworthy news. All that and much more every morning on Faith FM. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Psst. Hey, can you hear me? Is this thing on? Oh, yeah. Hey, this is Blake. You may have heard me on The Breakfast Show, and I love doing radio, but I hate mornings. So I've snuck into the studio to tell you I'm coming in to take over Faith FM every Thursday afternoon for a couple hours on my new show, Speak Life, where we speak life into every situation. Tune in. that 
lift up my head. I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust, life's glory dead, and from the ground there blossoms red. Life that shall endless peace. Life that shall endless peace. Endless peace. Endless peace. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim. You can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Faith looks up, sorry looks back, worry looks around. You're listening to Looking Up, and as we continue our program, we just want to let you know that this is a live broadcast, which means we'd love to hear from you, and we have heard from some of you already. Thanks for your texts. I'll share some of them in just a minute. Uh, but the reminder, if you want to connect with us at any time, the number to do so is 4 That's 4 That's our phone number here. And, yeah, we've got a question. Uh, maybe we should address it, Justin, before yes, we have yeah. our Bible study segment, but um, this is from Mark. Good to have you listening, Mark. He says, love your show. My question is, if we choose to remain under the seal of God, refusing to accept the mark of the beast, how will we obtain food and water if we can't buy or sell? Yeah, excellent question, Mark. And, um, you know, the beautiful thing about serving God and following Him is when we step out in faith, it enables God to do things and work miracles that He otherwise wouldn't be able to do if we hadn't trusted Him. So when we when we act in fear and think, if I don't take the mark, I'll have to buy, you know, I'll have to, my family will starve to death. Then when we act in fear, we're disabling God from working miracles. And when we look in the Bible, we see plenty of cases of miracles of Him providing supernaturally charged food um, like Sharissa was mentioning in the break when we got uh, your question, yeah. one individual in the Old Testament who did a whole lot of stuff on a little bit of food that was supernaturally charged. That's right. We were talking about your question in the break, and, and uh, I was reminded that Elijah, the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 8, uh, the Bible says in verse 7 that an angel brought him food, the angel of the Lord, an angel of the Lord. And then verse 8 says, So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. So I've always thought that was amazing. Like a meal with God's blessing on it can last you 40 minutes or 40 days. Yeah, uh, yeah it's amazing. Incredible. And uh, we look at other examples in the Old Testament. Moses was in the mountain with God fasting for 40 days and 40 nights as well. Jesus in the wilderness fasted for 40 days. And it's not to say that God's people won't be hungry. It's not to say that we won't be tested. Mm -hmm. But if we're more committed to God and we say, Lord, I would rather die than dishonor you. And I trust that you'll provide for all of my needs. We can know that he will. I love this verse that we can claim to and write this down, Mark, because it's one to memorize. Isaiah chapter 33 Verses 14 to 16, it says, The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. And they say this, 
Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? That's talking about being in the presence of God in heaven. And it says this. Here's the answer. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly. He who des- despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place will be, his place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. So this beautiful promise from God's word says, look, God will provide for us. He will provide for his people. Amen. Our bread will be given. Our water will be sure. We won't have a seven course meal, but he will provide for our needs. And in the time where we're tested by hunger, it will only strengthen us in our walk with him as he purifies us and prepares us for heaven. Mm. And God has many ways of providing for us too, doesn't he? Like yeah, the manna in the wilderness. The manna in the wilderness. And how many people was God feeding there? He brought food to Elijah through ravens. That's right. He brought him food. So, yeah, I guess whenever, when that time comes, uh, that we can trust that God will strengthen us to bring us through. And to, if we hold on to him, uh, he will keep us. That's so, right. Absolutely. Even if circumstances may not look favorable, God will take care of us. Yes. And that's a really, really good question. And I think just that to end on that, you know, Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace, mm-hmm. and this is the attitude we should all have, they told King Nebuchadnezzar when he said, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace if you don't bow down and disobey God by worshiping this golden statue. They said, oh, king, we will not bow down. Our God is able to save us. But even if not, even if he does not, we still will not bow down. And that's what we need to be praying for daily is a walk with God so deep that whether he provides food or not, we're wanting to be and committed to be faithful to him no matter what, knowing that we'll taste of that marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven very soon thereafter. Amen. And uh, just one other comment came through uh, from uh, Mick, who's a regular listener on this program. And Mick says, you know, we're not in the last days. Who cares about Will Smith, etc.? What would you, I, I guess... I would appreciate the, the, the comment and the question, but I guess... <laughs> well, Mick, uh, good question. Lots of people care, and it's in the news. And so since we were addressing the news, and Sharissa read the passage from the Old Testament, a long list of descriptors yeah. of what the Bible says of the last days. And as we look around at society and in the news, it's very clear that that list is being fulfilled. Yes. And so... And just yeah. uh, just again, for if you want to go back and check that list, that was in Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. And uh, yeah, I'd really encourage everyone to have a look at the list yeah. and then ask yourself, does this sound like today? Because it certainly does to me. Yeah, most definitely. Now, um, all right. So we have an exciting Bible study just before us. But before we do, every program that we have, we have a prize to give away. And today we have a prize. I, just how many of them? We have, oh, wow. Shell is making very generous gestures with her hands <laughs> on the other side of the glass here. So... This is an exciting day. I'm so glad you're all listening. Today's free prize is for anybody who connects with us on this program. And this is what it is. It's a book by Sue Rad, who is a friend of oh, mine. Nice. And she's, uh, yeah, I got to see her just recently at a church I was at. And it's entitled A Taste of Food as Medicine, Cooking for the Best Health. That's a thick book. That's well, a nice gift. It's it's the mini version. Oh, well. But it's still there you go, still. <laughs> a 64 page magazine style booklet with some really, really exciting 
providing recipes in there. And yes, I would encourage everybody to connect with us today for this free offer uh, because, yeah, why would you pass up such a great opportunity to have a taste of food as medicine? The number to call us, oh, sorry, not call, just text. And the code, the code word for today's offer is the word content. Okay, C-O-N-T-E-N-T. E-N-T. Yes, I spelled that right. So the number, the number is zero four triple eight one seven six two four. So please uh, text the word content to the that number, and you will have your very own free copy of this book, A Taste of Food as Medicine, coming to you. Very much recommended. Zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four. And hope you all take up that offer. Well, Justin, I think it's come time for us to. Begin our Bible study today. Awesome. Let's dive into God's Word. Yeah, let's pray first. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your Word that is truly a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path as we journey through this world toward our heavenly home. We pray that you would open our eyes and our minds to what you want to teach us as you share with us, as we break down from your Word, the Bible's one word secret to happiness. We love you and we thank you and guide and bless our time in your word we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You know, Sharissa, I know I've heard you say it. I've (laughs) said it myself. Our listeners out there have probably said something along these lines too, where it's something like, hey, have you seen the new iPhone? Man, it does this and this. Have you seen the new like Samsung, you know, Note 22 Ultra? It does this and that. Or have you seen so-and-so's new curved flat screen high definition TV? Or maybe something like, have you seen the new Tesla? You can actually just blink at it and it will read your mind. Okay, not really, but (laughs) in the future maybe. It'll read your mind from that microchip they're going to put in your brain, which we wouldn't recommend getting. (laughs) And uh, we'll know where you're wanting to go and it'll take you there. Eventually, at one point or another, all of us have fallen into this category because it's so easy to be captivated by the latest and greatest, newest gizmos and gadgets. But could it be that this kind of an attitude is actually undermining our happiness? Could Mm -hmm. it be that a desire for things is actually stopping us from satisfaction? And I think that, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with desiring things. Wanting things is not wrong. Right, But the problem arises when we desire things that we don't need or cannot have. And, um, you know, this is a part of our natural carnal nature, to desire things that we don't need or that we shouldn't have or cannot have. So unhealthy desires, if they go unchecked, can lead to covetousness. Let's turn to, um, and if you're driving, obviously, don't worry about it. If you're not driving and you have a Bible near you, go ahead and grab it and open up to the book of Joshua. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 7. Now, I'm just going to fill you in so we don't have to read the whole, you know, book up until this point. The children of Israel entered into the promised land under Joshua's leadership. And as they did, the Bible tells us the first city on the border of the promised land that was like the biggest fortress in the entire land of Canaan was called what? Jericho. Just checking if you're awake. (laughs) (laughs) Jericho, that's right. Now, Jericho, we know the Bible says they marched around after God's command seven days. They shouted on the seventh day. The walls came down and they went into Jericho. Now, God had said, don't touch it. Like, don't take anything from the city. Destroy it all. It is cursed. The gold, the silver, 
the the fine garments, all these things are cursed because they've been devoted to the worship of pagan gods. And it's likely, based upon the story, what we see with many of the Canaanites, there were diseases there as well that were, you know, potential pandemic proportions. And so the things in the city were burned with fire or things were destroyed and in other cities were at times burned with fire. Mm. So the Bible says that the next thing that happened was there was this little city called Ai. That's right. And Ai in Joshua chapter 7, the Bible says it was only 3,000 people. And they said, hey, look, let's just go. We just had this huge victory. Just send some spies up to check out Ai. It's like artificial intelligence. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Ai. Who knows? Maybe they had robots. So the town of Ai, 3,000 people, they go up and they say, look, there, there are... uh, or." There aren't many people. It's a small town. Um, the number 3,000 is actually the number that they sent up to attack AI. And it says, don't bring all the people up, the spies said, because the people of AI are so few. So 3,000 men went up, and it says in verse 4 that they fled before the men of AI. The men of AI struck them down, uh, struck down about 36, and chased them from before their gates down the mountain, and the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Mm. Now, for context... This is like winning an Olympic gold medal in wrestling and then the next day losing to a seven-year-old. Hmm. Like the land of, of the city of Jericho was huge. And for them to win that victory was absolutely massive. And then to lose to this little town called AI. And so they were wondering what on earth has happened. Joshua went to, you know, he fell on his face and he was praying before God And finally, God says, get up. Why do you lie on your face? Israel has sinned. This is verse 11. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Mm. I bet you didn't know the word stuff was in the Bible. But there it is. Even in the old King James Elizabethan language. Going to say something? <laughs> I was I was going to say one thing. Oh, it's even in the New King James. The word stuff. That's an amazing fact. But I was just, um, you know, you said, you know, that it was like Jericho against AI. It was like losing against a seven-year-old, which is so true. But I, I I have a little note here in my study Bible where it says that part of the problem was Joshua was self-confident in the victory of Jericho and he mm. had failed to consult the Lord before the attack on Ai. That's right. Had he waited on God in prayer, he would have learned about the sin of Achan and this whole thing. Which, Could have been avoided. Yes. Wow, there you go. That's absolutely right. When we And we see this in our own lives. When we become proud about our own abilities and our own talents and our own skills, and we're not waiting on God to to get His instruction of what to do and where to go and when to go, then we can know that calamity is going to come. Mm. But if we stay humble and we say, Lord, I can't do anything without Your help. You know, I need Your wisdom. I need Your direction. I need Your help. Then we can know that we are in the right kind of a place and that God can use us and He can bless us. So the Bible says, moving on to verse 13, God says, sanctify yourselves tomorrow. And um, Joshua tells the people, the Lord said, there is an accursed thing in your midst. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And so the Bible says that he brought them all. They all came out in the morning and family, tribe by tribe, household by household was taken And um, the Bible says it was narrowed down little by little. But we're going to have to hit the pause button there Mm -hmm. in the passage um, and come back to it because this is such an epic and significant thing. 
uh, this part of the story that if we rush through it, we're going to miss it. And if we get it, we'll understand better what God's one word secret to happiness is all about and how it ties into the three angels' messages and keeping all the commandments of God. Sounds good. So don't go anywhere. We're going to have a beautiful song called The Simple Life by Marla King, and then we will continue this study on this one word secret to happiness. I need to stop wanting what everyone has Just for the sake of having it I need to stop wanting what everyone has And take only what I can give with Make my life simple, make my life sweet I want forever to sit at your feet I need to stop wanting what everyone has And take only what I can give with I need to take only what I can give back Just for the sake of sharing it I need to take only what I can give back And want only what I must live with Make my life simple, make my life sweet Marla King singing The Simple Life and we are so glad you're joining us in this, for this live program uh, looking up and a reminder that we have a giveaway, a special gift we'd love to give to all of you. Just simply text the word CONTENT to the number 04888-17624 and you will have your very own copy of A Taste of Food as Medicine, Cooking for Your Best Health by Dr. Sue Rad coming to you. I've not seen this. This is a really beautiful we have, little book. We have a copy here in studio. And Color we are, pages, yes. high quality gloss cover. Yes, it's beautiful. Finish. And actually it includes, apart from you know an, uh, some really good tips on health and how you can you know eat for better health. It's got some wonderful recipes here in, in the back here that I'm enjoying looking through too. So yes, everybody will want to text this number 04888-17624 so you can text the word content and receive this uh, if you haven't already received your quota of prizes from Faith FM. So terms and conditions apply. <laughs> but uh, look, we received, uh, we received a, a text from one of our listeners here. Mm. It says, hey guys, Robbie here listening in from Central Queensland Love the show so far. Keep it up. <laughs> well, praise mean, the Lord. You mean Pastor Robbie Bergen? That's Pastor oh, Robbie Bergen. He loves the show so far. So let's <laughs> hope that he continues to enjoy yeah. this. <laughs> Good to have you listening, Definitely. Robbie. 
All right. So where were we, Justin? Yeah, we were in Joshua chapter seven. So, so here Joshua has been told by God somebody took from the accursed things in Jericho. That's why there was, you know, the three thousand Israelite soldiers ran away with their tails between their legs, got beaten by this little town called Ai. Didn't consult God, like you brought out, Sharissa. Mm. And he says, "Sanctify yourselves tomorrow." We will come before the Lord, and it says, and Sharissa, you want to read for us verses, just verse 16 first. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. Mm. So lots were cast, and God was working through the lots to direct, to narrow down closer and closer uh, to the actual person who did it, and 11 of the tribes walked away, whew. Yeah. They wiped sweat from their brow and they went, good, it's not one of us, right? Mm-hmm. But there was one tribe. It was the tribe of Judah. Then what happened? Verse 17 and 18. He brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of the Zahites and he brought the family of the Zahites man by man and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man and Achan, the son of Kami, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. Wow. So at least four times, there was this group of individuals, and they were narrowed down, Mm. narrowed down again, narrowed down again, until finally, it was narrowed down to the man, and his name was Achan. And it says in verse 19, if you want to read that. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Mm. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. Now, before we read this, in Achan's response, we find four steps Mm. to sin, basically. Four steps that you can find in just about every story of the Bible. And it happens in our lives as well. And so it's a warning for us. Um, And you can find it in David and Bathsheba, the story of Eve and the tree and Adam as well, and eating of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Many stories in scripture of those who fell and and sinned. And so why don't we read this together and I'll explain and we'll break it down. Um, Sharissa, could you read verse 21 for us? What does Achan say? Okay, maybe should I do verse 22? Sorry, 20 as well as 21? I think I may. Just 20. Oh, did I not read that? Yeah, go ahead. Verse 20. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them, and there they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. All right. So four things that Achan mentions. First, he says in verse 21, when I saw, when I saw. Now, the soldiers weren't to run into Jericho with their eyes closed, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a sin to see something. But the Bible says he didn't stop there. And that was the problem. Mm. He says, when I saw and he describes the beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, the wedge of gold. And he says, I coveted them. And that's the second step. So he not only saw, but he molded over in his mind. Mm. He decided not to put it out of his mind. And he let the temptation come in to disobey God and actually take these things for himself. It's amazing, too, that this Babylonian garment was an accursed, one of the accursed things God said, you know, to destroy, not to, to have. But he, um, 
He calls it beautiful. That's right. Does he sound very repentant? <laughs> no. Like before that, he's like, I have sinned. I saw a beautiful Babylonian garment. Right? Yeah. It's like when you're feeling sick to your stomach because you had like three pieces of cake at someone's birthday and someone asks you when you're groaning in the corner, like, what's wrong? You're not like, oh, I had too much of that amazingly delicious, wonderful cake. <laughs> you're really thinking, man, that stupid cake I shouldn't have eaten. Right? <laughs> yeah. So his descriptor, that's a great point, Sharissa. His descriptor of it as beautiful shows that he wasn't really fully repentant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It hadn't changed his view of of this thing so he saw it and then he coveted it he molded over in his mind he he pictured what he would look like in that babylonian garment he pictured what he could buy with those 50 shekels of silver and the gold and then it says he took them Mm. and then last of all he hid those items and that's what happens with sin we may see something or hear something and then we mull it over in our minds if we allow ourselves to covet it's only a matter of time before it will come out into reality and we will commit a sin outwardly and then we'll take steps to hide that sin. Oh, this is bringing to mind a couple of other Bible stories. I'm not sure if you were going to go to go them. For it. Um, the first out. one that comes up is, of course, Genesis chapter 3. When Eve saw the, she says in verse uh, Genesis 3 verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, this is the tree that God said have nothing to do with, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, like she coveted it, she desired it, she took of its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate so that's one story and then the other one is of course um the story of david and bathsheba yeah is that where you were going no no no. uh the story of david and bathsheba and it's again in second samuel 11 verses 2 and Mm. 3 the bible says then it happened one evening that david arose from his bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw You said these steps were in every fall story. You're right. He saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So So he was beholding her. He wasn't just looking away. Yep. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. And then he tried to hide his sin because he didn't tell Uriah, yep. uh, her husband, and then put him on the front lines to be killed. Yes. Uh, tragic. And it happens over and over. And so the key is, remember, seeing something is not a sin, but it's when we mull it over in our minds, when we choose to dwell on it, that desiring that thing that we should not or cannot have is called covetousness. Mm. And God warned us about it. So you know, Danny and Sharissa have been going through the three angels' messages, and it says in Revelation 14 that those who who live the three angels' messages will keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. So while we're kind of taking a break today, we're not in a sense because it ties in. Let's mm-hmm. go to the 10th commandment, Exodus chapter 20 and verse uh, 17. The 10th commandment, it says this, and actually, Sharissa, maybe you could read it for us. Exodus 20, verse 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Yeah, you shall not covet. And covet is a word that basically means to yearn to have something, to desire something. Uh, The word in Greek in the New Testament is pleonexia, which Mm -hmm. means a greedy desire to have more. Yes. And in, in Hebrew, it's chamad, 
which means uh, a desire to have something that is not right to have. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the Bible says this, and, and I love this. This is, it sums it up beautifully. It's from a devotional book called uh, Sons and Daughters of God. And it says, the 10th commandment strikes at the very root of all sins. Mm. That's pretty deep. Yes. The 10th commandment strikes at the very root of all sins, prohibiting the selfish desire from which springs the sinful act. He who in obedience to God's law refrains from indulging even in a sinful desire for that which belongs to another will not be guilty of an act of wrong toward his fellow creatures. So if we can allow God and ask God to help us put it in check in our minds mm. before we dwell on it, then it will prevent the outward action. Mm. And yeah, I think that's pretty uh, deep. It is. And when you think about it, it's this this thing called covetousness, this sin of covetousness. It's really the the same sin that was at the root of the very first sin that was ever committed in the universe, in that's the right. heart of Lucifer. He coveted the position of God. That's right. He wanted his throne to be above the stars of God, like God's was. Mm. He wanted the place of God himself. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we live in a world where marketers know that human nature, and anything from TikTok to Maccas, like McDonald's, you know, <laughs> like they know that human nature is to desire, and marketers actually build off of this. There's a marketing guru named Earl B. Puckett who said this, and I quote, it is our job to make men and women unhappy with what they have. <laughs> so that's marketing mm. to make you unhappy with what you have and jealous of what other people have that you don't and to make you think that you need those things um, in a single year in 2013 so this is nine years ago McDonald's spent two billion dollars on advertising so that's like 28 cents per person on the planet which is just like spare change to Elon Musk yeah that's right <laughs> who you mentioned earlier that's exactly right and it's working they know that by marketing in the right way, they're playing on people's, you know, inner desires and uh, natural tendencies to desire what we don't have and desire, yeah, things essentially to the point that uh, people go out and buy things. And um, that's actually why they target toddlers because they know that the uh, toddlers and little kids can often manipulate their parents to get what they want. And so in France... They actually made it illegal to advertise to kids under the age of three. Really? Interestingly enough, yeah, yeah. So the the nag factor they call it, where parents can can get that. So God tells us in His Word, He gives us this instruction to not covet, and the opposite of this is what the Bible tells us um, is the one word secret to happiness um, that we are getting to. Just wanted to share a brief story as we, um, yeah, before we head to our, our next little break here. And actually, why don't we, we have time for a Bible verse? I think yes, we, do. we do. Let's go to, oh man, that may give it away. <laughs> I was trying to keep the secret the a secret before he tells us I all. mean, we have like 70 <laughs> seconds until the break, so we might have to stretch it out. But I'll just share this. Ben Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, great American founding father, he said, ah, oh, that gives it away as well. <laughs> Man, my notes are a little Just out of Just give away here. the secret, maybe. All right, Benjamin Franklin said this, content makes poor men rich. Discontent makes rich men poor. Mm. So Sorry. contentment is the key. The Bible's one word secret to happiness is contentment. And um, we'll build off of that when we come back. But um, covetousness leads to sin, and sin leads to death. 
Uh, but if we allow God to make us content with what we have, with what he's blessed us with, which is something that is a miracle that can only really come from him, then whatever is happening in the world around us will be satisfied uh, in Christ and with what he has given us, what he has done and we'll be safe from that sin of covetousness. Amen, amen. Well, if you didn't already pick it, I think the secret is almost out of the bag there, <laughs> but uh, we'll highlight it a little more after we have this beautiful song by Carly Fletcher. She's going to sing My Everything. So enjoy this beautiful song, and then we will come back with more on the Bible's one-word secret to happiness. Child 
song. Beautiful. Jesus, You Are My Everything by Carly Fletcher. Beautiful song. Well, you are listening to Looking Up Right Now and a reminder that today is one of those special days where everybody's a winner and uh, we have a prize or a gift rather, I should say, to give to all of our listeners, anyone who connects with us and simply texts us today's code word, which is the word... Content. Content. C-O-N-T-E-N-T. Yes, that's how you spell it. So if you text... Like content. Like content. There you go. <laughs> content. Simply text that word to this number, 0488-1762-4, and you will have this beautiful book, including some very healthy, tasty recipes coming to you. Looks really good. Well, Justin, we've been uh, talking today about the Bible's one word secret to happiness. That's right. And, and the uh, secret's out. If you heard just before the break. You, yeah, you, you told everyone. We took a look at the um, the story of Achan and mm. saw that Achan's story is repeated in every Bible character that falls into sin. And even in our lives where he says, I saw and I coveted them. And the third step was I took them. And then I hid them. Mm. And so sin starts not with seeing, but with dwelling on it in our minds and mulling it over and, and imagining. And that's what eventually uh, breaks out and leads to our act. Of I can't sin. remember who said it, if it was Martin Luther or somebody else. Like you can't stop the birds from, from flying fly. over your head. That's right. But you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. Mm. That's right. We can't stop seeing certain things in life or hearing certain things. But we can control whether we're going to mull it over in our minds and dwell on it or, you know, not let it make a nest in our hair, so mm-hmm. to speak. And that was Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. Good memory. Yeah, so we see that with Achan. And God warned us in the 10th commandment. He said, thou shalt not covet. To covet means to, to desire, to greedily desire that which is not yours or that which you cannot or should not have. Mm-hmm. And so God tells us basically that this is the, the key to victory in every other area of life, allowing Jesus to control and lead us in our thought life to not dwell on things and not to dwell on desiring things and doing things that would harm us and that would separate us from him. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, the more you think about it, the more it does touch every aspect, like even um, thou shalt not kill. Well, if you're thinking about you hate somebody in your heart and you want to get rid of them, it's begun because you've coveted something that, you know, like it's... Yeah, like Cain and Abel, right? Yeah, yeah it began yeah. in the heart. It mm. begins in the heart. And that's really what the 10th commandment really highlights, that the attitude of the heart. Absolutely. And so if you missed it before, we're going to go to a Bible verse that highlights the answer to the one word secret of happiness. It's First Timothy chapter 6. And uh, Sharissa, if you want to read this for us, powerful verse that just clearly brings out what the Bible's secret to happiness is, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and um, after going on about, you know, greed and these different issues that would arise at the end of time, especially, uh, it says this in verse 7, or 6, Sharissa. 
First Timothy 6 verse And you can read verse 7 six. as well. All right. The Bible says now godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Mm, that's the key. Verse 6. Mm. Godliness with what? Contentment. Contentment. That's the Bible's one word answer to covetousness. And covetousness, marketers, we talked about how marketers know this, how they play on the natural human desire to desire and want what we do not have and to be dissatisfied with what we have so that we want what they want to sell us, so that we buy what they want to sell us. And so many people wake up every day to go work at a job that they don't even like, to make money that they don't need, to buy things that they don't really want to impress people who they don't even know. (laughs) And so the rat race of life gets people going at times to the point that that's their motivation. Um, but the Bible tells us godliness with contentment mm. is great gain. Mm. That is the greatest thing, to be content. And uh, we're going to look at some other passages and, and build a bit off of this. But um, as we get there, there's a powerful quote from a book. I think it might also be from Sons and Daughters of God that I quoted from earlier. But it says, continual giving. So you may wonder out there, what's the answer? Like, how can I be content if I'm not naturally desiring things that I shouldn't have or don't need? And just I'm constantly a slave to these marketers that are, you know, playing on my natural desires. Um, What's the answer? And this book, this quote, powerful quote, it says, continual giving starves covetousness to death. Mm. Continual giving starves covetousness to death. That's very interesting. Because it's the opposite. And that's how God designed us. Mm-hmm. To constantly give is to starve covetousness. Because covetousness mean, says, me, me, me. I want more. I need more. I need that. I need this. I need to keep this for myself. But if we're constantly giving, it's something that God can use. And if we're giving to his work, it's every time we're dying to self that little bit more to, um, to let things go that we would want to keep for ourselves. And we see this in the Bible. Can you think of anyone, Sharissa, in the Bible um, for whom covetousness and, and or rather generosity did or did not actually uh, provide, you know, uh, of victory over this issue of covetousness? Oh, yes. I'm thinking of Zacchaeus. Ah, okay. So Zacchaeus was greedy, right? And yeah. Well, in, that's how initially, it comes across. Yeah. yeah he, he was taking more than he was giving yeah. from people. Very true. But then... He had a life change. He did. He met Jesus. He did. And he said, when Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house today. He said, Lord, I will restore. Didn't he say fourfold or like twofold, fourfold? I think it was fourfold. Some folds. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will restore. If I've taken from anyone unrightfully, I will restore fourfold to them. I believe it is. And generosity uh, actually changed him from a greedy, covetous person. Jesus gave him that generosity that helped. And then we think of some others for whom they didn't allow generosity to work in their lives and they became covetousness, covetous and greedy to the point of great sins. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, there was Judas. Yeah. Yeah, wow, great one. That's true. You know, he, he actually sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver for the price of a slave. Nothing. That's, mm-hmm. vir- that's virtually nothing mm-hmm. because he was greedy. Mm-hmm. And Jesus actually put him in charge of the money bags, the Bible says, that the disciples had in the hopes that he would change in his character, that this would enable him to be generous. Mm-hmm. But he held on to his greed instead, and it led ultimately to his downfall. Hmm. Yeah. I was thinking, too, of Absalom. 
Mm. Um, how he he was greedy too, and he wanted leadership power that he didn't need to have. Mm. Just like Lucifer, like you were mentioning earlier in heaven. Yes, it's true. Yep. Do you have a passage about him? That you oh, want to I was share? just looking here in Second Samuel fifteen, and it says that you know whenever people were coming in and out of the gate of the city, he would ask them. Um, in Second Samuel 15, you know, what city are you from? And they would say, oh, we're from such and such a tribe of Israel. And Absalom would say to them, and this is interesting, he'd say, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of a king to hear you. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I were made judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me, then I would give him justice. That mm. was his attitude. Wow. So he coveted this position of leadership that... God had not given him that he didn't have. Wow. Yeah. You know, the beautiful reality is that you can have nothing and be better off than a billionaire. Mm -hmm. You were mentioning in news earlier at the beginning of the show today that Elon Musk uh, is the richest man in history, recorded yep. richest man in history. And, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean joy or happiness. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, we look at billionaires and millionaires and the movie stars and music stars that it attests to this fact that many of them are miserable mm -hmm. because they thought, man, if I just reached this level of wealth and fame, then I'll be happy. They get there and they realize it's not. It's a mirage, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, wealth is a mirage of success and, and fulfillment that just evaporates That's the closer right. you come to it. Absolutely. And... You know, like Benjamin Franklin said, content makes poor men rich and discontent makes rich men poor. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in America, we have uh, a group of Christians called the Amish and uh, they live in, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania. My mom grew up in Pennsylvania and there are a number of Amish and Mennonite people there. And um, anyhow, you know, they don't have modern technology because they believe that it's evil it's of this world and therefore shouldn't be used and you have different levels of amish people who some of them you know allow cars and tractors others of them are very strict and rigid we have some friends named the weavers mm -hmm. andy and naomi weaver who actually became seventh-day adventist christians and retained their amish lifestyle uh to reach their amish friends and family and they've been able to take three angels message the everlasting gospel to many of them mm. um in the west salem mission there in ohio such a sweet family um, and really on fire for the Lord. And I heard a story a while ago of an Amish man, the man that was moving into a farm next to this Amish family. And after watching loads of things being carried into the house, the man's new neighbor, the Amish man, looked over the fence and said to him, Hey, neighbor, if there's anything that you don't have, let me know. I'll be happy to teach you how to live without it. <laughs> And um, how true is it that First Timothy 6, verse 6, godliness with contentment mm. is great gain. Mm. If we're content with what we have. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we should be content with what we have, never with what we are. Mm -hmm. Right? As people, our characters, we should constantly be striving to be better, to be more like Jesus. But being content with what we have is something that is really key uh, in our walk with God. Mm. It's just reminded me of a Bible verse, and maybe you were going here, but in Philippians four eleven. Yeah, you were going we're saving there. that to the end. Oh, we'll okay, say no, it now. No, we can no, save it. No, 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 read no. Read it now. It's like a secret. <laughs> you <laughs> no, want to no, read it now? Feel free. Yeah. The Bible says that Paul wrote to the Philippians when he said, "Not that I speak in regard to need." You start in verse ten, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Mm, powerful. Mm. So powerful. Um, verse 12, you want to read 12 as well? Uh, verse 12 says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Wow. So the Apostle Paul said, look, I have been shipwrecked. I have been in prisons. Mm -hmm. I have been, you know, you name it, basically. He was writing this from a prison. Um, and I've also been in plenty. And I've had food and, and warm clothes and all the things that I need. But he said because his walk with Jesus was strong, yeah. God had taught him in whatever situation he was in to be content. And to be thankful. That's right. Yeah, mm. absolutely. To be grateful uh, for what God has done to be content. And his secret to complete satisfaction, Paul's secret to satisfaction, to happiness, was contentment mm. in whatever situation he found himself in. And so, yeah, it's, it's fascinating how modern society feeds us the complete opposite. You know, we've talked about this a bit, but I didn't actually share this earlier. Marketers, this is just fascinating. I saw this documentary some years ago called Pseudology, and it's the art of lying, the study of lying, right? Mm -hmm. But they, they, in this one clip in this documentary, they shared that what marketers were actually doing is, and they showed video of it, they have this... Uh, this kind of, it looks like a helmet a little bit or headphones almost, but they go to the front from front to back as well. And it reads certain sections of your brain and it reads your brain waves and cameras are pointed at your eyes to see the dilating of your pupils and all of this. <laughs> and what they do is they set, they put this on someone's head and they send them through the shopping center mm. and they say, just shop like you normally would. And what they do is they're tracking the person's eyes, what they're looking at. So the cameras are facing ahead of the person and their eyes so they know what they're looking at. They know what's going on in their brains when they lurk, look at certain colors and certain shoes and when it's placed in a certain place, if it has a better success of them seeing it. Wow. And they're doing this with people to fine-tune their marketing <laughs> to make it as targeted as possible to make people want what they don't have, mm -hmm. to be unsatisfied with what they have. And to want to buy these things to possibly, hopefully, make them happy. Yeah, and I can't help but notice the common theme, not only in what you've just said there, but also in all of those Bible passages before, you know, Genesis and the fall, um, David and Bathsheba, um, Achan and his sin. And it all begins with, I saw. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. They saw, and then they, and then the, the desire ring took place. So I guess this is such a great topic for us to talk about on looking up, because we should be looking up to Jesus, yeah. <laughs> keeping our eyes and our focus and our desires not on this world because this world is really sad but on the focus on him who has promised us an eternity with Absolutely. no end and yeah just and when we focus our eyes on him we realize we have everything that we need amen wow wow that's this time is just flying for us today so we have a beautiful song oh it's on absalom we mentioned absalom and his um difficulty with this so mm. enjoy this song by steve bell absalom absalom
Kiss up dipped in innocent blood to make me clean. Let an old man's broken bones once more rejoice. Absalom, you were my little boy. Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, my son. Caught in the tangles of deceit. From that tree, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, my son, caught in the tangles of your hair, fruit of my own sins to bear. We're the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson, and you can join us every morning on The Breakfast Show. We cover news that matters and do our encounter with God. We also have an intense quiz, great giveaways, awe-inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Brecky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. 
Lost in chariots and some in horses But we will remember the name of the Lord our God Some trust in chariots and some in horses But we will remember the name of the Lord our God They are brought down and fallen But we are risen and stand upright They are brought down and fallen But we are risen and stand upright. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen. But we are risen and stand upright Some trust in chariots, some in horses But we will remember the name of the Lord our God Some trust in chariots, some in horses But we will remember the name of the Lord our God They are brought down and fallen But we are risen and stand upright Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Faith looks up, sorry looks back, worry looks around. You are joining the Looking Up program right now, and we have been talking about the Bible's one word secret to happiness, and we let the secret out of the bag. Contentment. Yeah, that's the one. And uh, we've been getting some messages from some of our listeners, which is always exciting. And if you want to send any comments or questions, the number to do so is 04888-17624. And uh, we've got a big shout out from Freco and your seventh listener from last week, Adrian. Good to have you guys joining us again on the program also margie she says i love your program i miss danny today but i'm enjoying justin's presence <laughs> well me too and uh, we do miss danny Definitely. danny is uh he's at a campground helping set up some big tents for an event we had we call big camp and uh yeah it's coming up i think next week That's right 10 day events with some wonderful seminars and uh, messages and kids programs and the kids tents and activities and just a wonderful time for yes. so many people so he's still working very hard just different place <laughs> <laughs> but uh yes and also 
A reminder too that we do have a special giveaway for everybody today. It's one of those special days where everybody can come uh, with a prize. And it's a little book by Dr. Sue Rad, A Taste of Food as Medicine. Really, really recommend this if you want to see how you can improve uh, your health through food. You can just eat healthy foods. Really, really helpful tips in this healthy, book. Healthy, delicious food. That's right. I'm actually flicking through the book right now. And again, a reminder, there's also some excellent really nice healthy recipes in this book as well looks fantastic so the number to text uh, with this word content if you text the word content this little book is coming to you you simply text the word content to zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four. that's the number well uh, on this note Justin we are coming to land this plane now that we've let the secret out of the bag mm. but uh, what else would you like to share with us before we do you know we've been talking a bit about how human nature is prone to desire that which we do not have do not need at times and should not have. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's called coveting or covetousness. It's not a word we use a lot these days, um, but that's what the Bible calls it. The 10th commandment tells us thou shalt not covet. And it's only in the strength of Jesus and with his help that we can stop, you know, and have the ability to stop when we see something we want or hear something that we shouldn't have or we don't have, mulling it over in our minds, desiring it, because that will lead eventually, if we keep doing it, to action, whether it's stealing it or taking it or um, securing it for ourselves. And uh, human nature is so funny, isn't it? I heard this poem once and I never forgot it. It said, as a rule, man is a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. And when it's cool, he wants it hot, always wanting what is not. Mm. So true, isn't it? You know, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, as they say. Yep. Absolutely. So I guess, you know, in light of this subject that we've been stepping through, the three angels' messages, how would you say that this relates? Yeah, excellent. And, you know, we mentioned at the beginning that uh, the Bible says in Revelation 14 that those who live and, and proclaim the three angels' messages and are God's three angels' messengers keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. And this is one of the commandments. In mm -hmm. fact, by allowing God to enable us to keep this commandment, it'll help us to keep all of the other nine. You know, Epicurus, he was a uh, curious individual. Epicurus <laughs> was a, a Greek philosopher, and he said this, Do not spoil what you have by desiring what you do not have. Mm -hmm. Remember that what you now have was once among the things that you only hoped for. It's so true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We become dissatisfied like a little kid. Oftentimes, when I was a kid, I'd want a toy so bad. I'd see it on TV and it's like, oh, I want this for Christmas, please, please. And I'd get it. I'd play with it for like a few weeks, a month maybe. And then it would sit in the toy box along with all of the other things. And so this is definitely the natural tendency. What is the key? How on earth can we be content with what we have uh, rather than constantly desiring things that we don't have? And Sharissa led us to a passage earlier and read to us um, Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 to 12, where Paul says, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Mm -hmm. How? In verse 13. This is a verse that's often quoted by itself, but the context here is actually contentment. Hmm. So, Sharissa, why don't you read verse 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Bam! There it is. <laughs> so how can Paul be content in every situation that he was possibly in? Through God, Christ. Through Christ. That's it. Mm. He can do all things through Christ 
who strengthens him. There's another famous Bible passage that, um, you know, that brings this out. And it's often also quoted out of or without the immediate context. But if we look at it, it actually gives us some, yeah, some uh, basically tells us that the context is contentment. Why don't you read for us verse, oh, Hebrews 13, verse 5. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Hebrews 13, only read the second half of verse 5, Sharissa. That's a bit of a challenge. Only the second half, with, starting with word 4. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Beautiful. Talking about Jesus. Now, is this half of the verse true without the first half? Yeah, it is. Jesus himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is true. And we can praise God with that for that beautiful promise. Mm-hmm. But notice what he actually starts with in verse, the beginning of verse 5. Now read the whole verse if you would. All right. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. There you go. That's the connector, that word for or because. It says, let your conduct, your lifestyle be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Mm-hmm. For or because Jesus himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, if we have Jesus, what more could we want? What more could we need? When we walk with the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who owns everything, the creator who provides for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how could we need anything more? You know, God and God alone is the one who can bring us spiritual satisfaction, who can bring bring us true happiness and provide for all the deepest longings of the human heart. Mm. Just two quick stories. Do we have time? We have have time for me to just share two quick stories as we wrap this up. I remember when I was 10 years old, my cousin Brad uh, decided to come. And my father owned a auto mechanic and smash repair uh, shop like 300 meters from our house down the way. Little mountaintop town uh, called Angwin in Northern California. And my cousin Brad came for the summer. He was probably 17, 16, 17 years old. He came for the summer to work with my dad for three months and to learn how to, you know, do this kind of work on working on cars. Well, my father and my uncle owned the shop. And one day my uncle told Brad, listen, I want you to hold this sparker. I'm going to hold this can of fuel. And I want you to to push this button on the starter. And um, he didn't tell him anything else, unfortunately. <laughs> he didn't tell him that if it worked, it was going to light the can of fuel on fire. Mm-hmm. Okay? Well, he handed Brad the, the canister of petrol. And he had the sparker there. And it started. It actually worked. <laughs> and he was supposed to just hold it. And the flame would sit on the top of the canister and everything would be fine. But Brad, in shock, saw it start the can on fire, and he immediately just threw it to distance himself from the fire. Yeah. And I remember turning and looking, and it hit the ground, and this flame just went, it just filled, the sh- it started filling the shop, covered the floor of the shop. So as a 10-year-old, what do you think when you say, well, there's a fire, how do I put it out? So my dad, my uncle, and Brad, they get rags, and they're beating the fire, and I'm like, what are they doing? So I go and I get a big five-gallon, like a 20-liter bucket, and I start filling it up with the big tap as just as fast as I could. I got it like more than halfway full, and I was like, okay, I'm going to fix this fire. So I run in, and I have this huge bucket full of water, and I pull it back, 
And I bring it forward to toss it on the fire. And right when I'm halfway, I can still see it in my mind. My dad and my uncle turn and they're like, no, I can see it in slow motion. <laughs> no, but when I stopped, all the water was too late. It came out of the bucket, hit the fire. And because it was a fuel fire, and I didn't know as a 10-year-old, you don't put water on a fuel fire. I didn't even know it that. Just, <laughs> I'm glad I told you. Yeah. <laughs> it just went underneath the petrol and spread it further out into the shop. Mm. And I thought, oh, man. Well, thankfully, they ended up beating it out with the rags. I helped them. I'm sure it was mostly me that did it as the 10-year-old. But no, they, they ended up putting out the fire. Mm-hmm. But I learned on that day, you can't put out a petrol fire with water. And sometimes in life, we think like our willpower is like water. We think, ah, I'll just, you know, I'll just, ah, I'll just grip my teeth and bear it. And I'll just be strong enough not to desire these things and not to, to covet things, right? Mm. And I'll not to not sin and not do the wrong thing or think the wrong thing. But in reality, it's just like throwing water on a petrol fire. Mm. We can't. We don't have the ability. We're just going to make it worse. Yep. But Christ is the one who has the power to quench the, the covetous desires that might fill our hearts and fill our minds. What a great story. And, and thank you for teaching me something new about fire. <laughs> it reminds me what you This just, may have saved our house. This, <laughs> <you know? laughs> That's right. Um, this reminds me of, you know, Philippians 1 6, when you're reminding us that we can't, but God can. And mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It reminds me of what he says at the beginning of the book, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. all that character construction work that needs to be done in each and every one of us to make us ready for heaven is something that God is doing he he takes it upon himself to do that construction work and all we have to do is open our hearts to him look up and Mm. say lord come into my heart that's That's right that's right absolutely love it yeah the last story i just wanted to share is um kind of the opposite side of the coin uh to the last you know illustration and when i was 17 years old my christian high school that i was a part of we were as seniors or year 12 students we were doing a class trip and we decided to do a mission trip. So we went down to the Yucatan Peninsula in, in Mexico, and uh, we were helping lay the foundation for a church and doing medical clinics and, you know, um, VBS programs like uh, kids programs, spiritual kids programs as 17-year-old kids. And I remember for the first time in my life, I met people who had almost nothing but were so genuinely happy. Like these Christians, their church was basically, it was a space between two buildings that they put this plastic, you know, covering over. And when it would rain, it would Mm -hmm. come through at times, but they were so happy. And I remember the kids, we would, we didn't have enough coloring books to give them all. So we had to rip out individual pages and give them individual crayons instead of a whole pack of crayons because we didn't have enough. And these kids were just so happy. And I remember asking my professor who was with us, Gary Carpenter, still remember (laughs) his name. I said, how is it that these people are so happy with so little. And back home in America, like so many people are so unhappy with so much. And I'll never forget what he told me. He looked at me and he said, Justin, it's often not until Jesus is all that you have until you finally realize that he's all that you'll ever need. Amen. And, you know, it's so true. Jesus is really all that we ever need. Mm -hmm. He provides for all of our needs. But if everything else is stripped away and we have him, we can be content 
because we have all of heaven in the one gift of Jesus Christ. Mm. We have the promise of eternity with him in a world with no sorrow or suffering or pain or, or anything of the negativities of this world. And really, if we have Jesus, we have all that we will ever need. Amen. That was a, I think that's a really good place for us to land this plane. And there's still a few more things that I think we'd like to share with you before the plane completes its flight com- fully. For before this we uh, come to a, an step end. off the plane. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what a wonderful reminder. And you know what? When we live, when we recognize that Jesus is all that we need and we live with that contentment that we can have only in Christ, then I believe that we can be heeding that first angel's message where God calls us to fear God, give glory to him. That's when we content in Christ, it gives glory to him. Uh, and that's the first angel's message, which we've been stepping through. Well, thank you so much, Justin. We'll come back with just a few more thoughts after this song by Kemi Ogendi. It's called Everything. And I have a feeling it's going to be very, very applicable to what we've been talking mm. about just now. What I have is plenty What I have is good What I have is beautiful Thank you for it all Teach my heart contentment Teach me to be still Teach me how to rest in you For in you I am filled Only in you I am filled Thank you for 
Kimmy Ogendi with everything and we have come to the end of our program today but before we do close this program off Justin is there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners just as we we got close yeah if as you've been listening today you've felt the realization like I have again that you have a natural tendency to desire things that you don't have and at times don't even need or that God has said you, you shouldn't have and you feel like, man, I really need God's help because I realize I can't not do this and think these thoughts and dwell on these things on my own, then we just want to invite you to say, Lord, here I am. Mm. I want to look up. I'm surrendering my heart to you. I'm opening my heart to you. Work in me the work that only you can do. Change me. Give me a desire for good and for holy things. And, you know, one thing that you can grow in your love of God and of his word and 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 as we come closer to Jesus, covetousness and other sinful desires and thoughts and actions, they just start to fall away. Mm. We just choose. We start to say, you know what? If this is preventing me from my walk with him, I just oh, forget it. Mm. And we actually start to lose the desire to do these things the more we focus on Christ. And so our invitation to you is like Paul said, you know, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content, content with whatever I have, wherever I am. How? He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so may we remember that the key is in focusing on Christ, not focusing on what we need to cut out of our lives because we don't have the strength to do it, but by focusing on Christ who has the ability to change us. Amen. Thank you so much, Justin. And and really that that finish there is a reminder that really the title of this program, Looking Up, that's the secret to success in, in, in and, and happiness also. Look up to Absolutely. Jesus, looking to Jesus. That's where we will find our purpose, our meaning, our hope, our everything is looking to him. You know, it's amazing how where we look in life, even physically, will determine where we go. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was learning to drive, my my um, instructor, you know, I had my hands at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock on the steering wheel and some car came by and I started to look at them for too long and the car started to turn to the left, veer toward this car. And the instructor said, hey, hey, you know, grab the <laughs> steering wheel. And they said, always remember where your eyes go, where you are looking is where you will start to go. Mm. And it's so true with us as well. Where our eyes focus is where we will start to go. So where are we focusing our gaze, our eyes? Mm. Let's not put them on Babylonian garments and gold and silver and money and stocks and the newest electronics and latest styles or or human relationships and desires um, that are unhealthy. But let's set our minds and our eyes on things above, not on the things of this earth, but let's set our eyes on Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, Justin, would you mind closing uh, with a prayer for us and our listeners? Yes, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much that you're a God who uh, your biddings are your enablings. In other words, what you command us to do, you give us the strength to do. So that 10th commandment where you say, don't covet, it's a promise that if we focus on you, we surrender our lives to you, that you will enable us to not covet. In other words, you'll make us content with what we have. And so God, we give ourselves to you again. For every listener who has their head bowed or who's joining us in prayer, we pray for each and every one, Lord, that we would surrender our lives more fully into your hands 
Because truly, when we have Christ, we have everything that we could ever need. Mm. And even if we uh, lack certain things in this life, even if we suffer want and need in various ways here, we know that we have the beautiful promise and the gift of eternal life mm. and eternity in heaven with you in a universe of perfection. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to have Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith, help us to be connected to you through your word, through prayer, and to know that uh, we can be content because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Mm -hmm. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. We look forward to having you back with us again next week. But before we go, remember, fear looks around, regret looks back, but faith always looks up. God bless you. Until God next bless. time. Keep looking up. Don't give up. Don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up. Don't give up. Don't give up should the tears begin to start With a prayer all your cares He will cast into the depths of the sea His love is all